Hello, I'm John Ellis, and welcome to episode 58 of Pitodri PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and juniors. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the Northeast of Scotland or featuring someone from the Northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey, as always, Dave McDermott and Andrew Shiny. So here we are recording this episode on the morning of Tuesday, November 22nd, 2022. Without a Dons League or Cup game to review because of the World Cup break. We might look at the bounce match against the Atlanta 11 slightly later, but it does give us the chance to start elsewhere for once and do things slightly differently. So let's begin with the Dons women, who were back in action for the first time in a few weeks at the weekend, away to Motherwell women. That one ended 4-1 for the home side. It's a shame, Dave. I mean, they got that vital win against Glasgow women at Petaudry a few weeks back. And what they'd have wanted then, feeling good about themselves for the first time this season, is to get straight back into it to try and build up a wee head of steam, a, a bit of momentum. But the way things have worked out, that's just not happened, has it? No, it hasn't. And uh, it's a bit worrying because they're now five points adrift of third bottom Hamilton ahead of uh, the Glasgow women. And, uh, you know, they, they are unfortunately starting to run out of time a wee bit. Um, they've got a huge game on Sunday at Canada. That's Dundee United's first game at their main main pitch. The home side will definitely be up for that one. But it's, it's one mm. that really the girls need to start picking up points in these matches because, as I say, the, the league, I don't think they're going to get into the top half, which is a shame, but at the moment they need to make sure that they're not going to end up back in Division 2 next season. Mm-hmm. I saw uh, Gavin speaking afterwards and, you know, it, you feel for managers when they're in this situation because there isn't really an awful lot that they can do to affect things other than just go back and, and, and keep going at it. Is it just a case of doing the basics and hope that they get another result going their way sooner rather than later? I think so. I mean, if if they are doing basics, which seem to be, it seems to be a, a fairly settled squad, young squad. That it is obviously, but uh, no, they need to. They just need to go back to basics and start really trying to pick up points, particularly at home, and also picking up points away from home because uh, that four-one result that was a bit of a shocker at Motherwell. I don't think anybody expected it to be that margin of uh, victory, and of course, as Lauren Campbell was saying. After the game, when you go 3-0 down against mm-hmm. anybody, it's very, very difficult to come back. They got the goal back, but then immediately lost on the street in the kickoff. It was, it was 4-1. So all in all, as Lauren said, not a good day at the office. Now, as for the under-18s, well, they didn't have a match this weekend. Their next game is in the Scottish Youth Cup on Friday, November 25th at Cormac Park when they take on Queen's Park. They'll fancy themselves progressing that one, but a few of the under-18s actually in Atlanta on the first team trip, Andrew. I saw Hattrick Henry, Bava, involved in training ahead of the friendly with Atlanta. The match ended 1-0 for the Dons, an excellent Leighton Clarkson goal. I've seen loads of shots of uh, meet and greets and promotional visits. Overall, it looks like a, a successful camp, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it served its purpose. I think um, everybody's uh, saying that the training facilities were excellent. They kind of glossed over the game. They just said it was nice to play against a different team. I don't think it was a game that really stretched uh, Aberdeen too much. Uh, It was interesting to hear that Jim Goodwin said that when the young boys came on in the second half, 
they improved the quality of the game, which will be very pleasing for him and also for Barry Robson back home here, mm. who I'm sure sent the seven young boys out there with the clear message, go and show what you're capable of. And if the manager's saying that they improved the quality of the game, it would suggest that they've, they've achieved that aim. Seven young boys, as I say, went out there, blessing Ola Yemi, uh, Blair McKenzie, the entire front three, Harvey, Bavage and Emsley, and Dylan Lobin, Finlay Marshall. They all acquitted themselves well. And the goal, as you say, in that game uh, was perfection itself. Uh, don't underestimate the, the part that Matty Kennedy played in it in delivering the corner perfectly onto the foot of Leighton Clarkson. There's a, an angle you see from behind the goal where you see just how well he hit it. And the goalie had no chance, but mm. it wasn't a game that, that stretched anybody. But it gave valuable uh, game time to the likes of Joe Lewis um, because... By the looks of things, Kelarus and Andrews knew about the boys who were away in international duty. I think they'll they'll feel that it was a, it was a good promotional visit as much as anything else to Atlanta, uh, a chance to cement relationships between the two clubs. They certainly didn't go there for warm weather training because I believe it was even colder out there than it's been in Aberdeen. Maybe not quite as wet, but um, uh, not uh, summer weather out there at all. But uh, a worthwhile exercise. No, we had waterfall season in Aberdeenshire over one day, as it turned out last weekend. The players now have a week off before getting back to training for the remainder of the season. Meanwhile, back in Aberdeen, there were headlines regarding the proposed new stadium at the beach. What do you make of that, Dave? I mean, from where I was standing, it looked like a, a bit like, you know, we remain committed and supportive and we're happy to lend any and all of our resources and expertise to the council's efforts, but we're no paying it for you. Your thoughts? Yes. Listen, we've been in the stadium argument. I've been involved for almost 20 years I was involved in the, the various locations that we were going to be going to. And any time you talk about public money being spent, it's obviously going to be very divisive. The argument for is, of course, that what what the a stadium that wouldn't just be used for football would bring to the beach area. Reading between the lines, and again, I'm not privy, obviously, to what's going on these days, but I do get the distinct impression that despite the fact you've got the planning permission for Kingsford, it now doesn't appear to be an option, which in many ways, personally, uh, I feel is a shame because I think having the club under one roof or under one facility is a huge advantage and something Andrew and I were speaking about when we were down at Petorja last week, that uh, you know we do feel it's lost a wee bit of uh, the family club when two campuses basically yeah yeah exactly so it does seem a wee bit of a change of tune from the council you know the the, the signs were very promising and now obviously they've come out and say you know we're not here to to help fund a private company as, such as Aberdeen Football Club but Aberdeen are more AFC is more than a, a private company it's part and parcel of the northeast of Scotland and they I think you know we've seen so many projects dropping, falling by the wayside, Ian Wood, Union Terrace Gardens, etc. That for goodness sake, let's get our act together, whatever it takes. But I will remain to be convinced that that will happen. I was, I was just going to say, Dave, I mean, Dave Cormack should just do what Sir Ian Wood did and say, I'll give you 50 million quid, but I want to build a stadium down at the beach. The council will go, no, we'll, bu- we'll build it, we'll pay for it. That's what they did with Union Terrace Gardens, wasn't it? I know, I know. So, yeah, but um, the fact is, we're still, we're still waiting for that, though, Andrew. That's, I mean, well, it's, it's, it's taken shape I, at least. Soft now, opening was months ago. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, soft okay. that nobody noticed it. You know, it, it's 
I can understand uh, people saying in these days of austerity and everybody feeling the pinch, why should loads of money be in put towards a, a new stadium down at the beach. But it was the council that came in and said, come on, we can't afford to lose Aberdeen from the city centre. Mm. We want you to build something down the beach. And then it seems that they've, they've turned things in their head and go, aye, but we're not going to pay for it. You'll have to pay for it. And so um, I think the, the two need to get their heads together and and come up with a, a, a suitable sort of deal, which it's, it's not, let's be honest, it will never keep everybody happy but let's let's do it for the, the greater good of the majority rather than the minority who will make a lot of noise about how they prefer to have a better pavement outside their house than have whatever sort of benefit will be brought to the city by the the stadium being down at the beach but the, the bottom line is that regardless of what people say Petaudry has a an age and it's got a shelf life that means that it can't go on forever. We would all very much like it if Petaudry could, but I think being realistic, it's something's got to change. And the longer this drags out, the more the bill goes up for it. So somebody grasp the nettle and make a decision. Has the issue with the council? I'm trying. I'm trying to get a sort of duration of how long this has gone on. Have we changed council personnel within this time? Is that is that possibly the issue whereby? You know, uh, you can look at councils in, in any area and over a period of time, it looks like they're going 100 miles per hour in one direction only to be replaced and then they go 100 miles per hour back the same way. Is it is it that sort of situation that we're in here? There will be an element of that. Certainly the council will have changed radically since the days when Dave was having to try and sell Lauriston as being the, the perfect base for, for Aberdeen Football Club. Since then, Belfield before Belfield. That. Well, was it not Lauriston, then Belfield, then Kingsford? Um, I was there when when they uh, Belfield, no, Bel- Belfield was, was pre Belfield was back in the days of Councillor Mayland. Um, oh yes, <laughs> but how but how long? Uh, and the, the Kingsford's <laughs> first infrastructure group. But how long is has, first group. how long has this uh, this actual plan been on the go? That's surely just one administration, isn't it? Or is it? Um, not? It probably is. It probably is. Yeah. Right. Okay. Because certainly the B. Each wasn't I know when I when I left the club, it was still very much Kingsford, except we didn't have money for it. Oh, well, uh, we'll wait and watch. Uh, finally, the club's annual financial statement published recently. They claim to be back on track with their strategy of developing young talent, uh, whether through the youth academy or investment, and selling it on for a profit at a later date. Turnover is up, so are wages as the club continues to invest in the team. Uh, the loss up slightly to five point two nine million, I think. But as I say, the club believe they're on the right track. Agreed, Dave, or or concerned at all? Obviously, any loss is concerning, particularly in, in these times of austerity. But as Andrew pointed out, the sales of Lewis Ferguson and Calvin Ramsey are not included in the, the, the latest accounts. So they will give next year's accounts a, a healthy lift off, you would imagine. But uh, yeah, it, it is a concern, but it's not unexpected compared to other clubs in the Premier League. Uh, we're, we're doing not badly at all. Yeah, into the Championship and Cove Rangers, who are just about on target for the season and consolidating their position in the Championship, but far from comfortable in that slot. Uh, as Dave pointed out last week, they should probably have been encouraged by their opponent's form of late. Morton providing the theory that uh, if you can just muster a couple of wins and get on any kind of run in this league, you can make upward moves on the table relatively quickly. So any kind of result against Morton would have been a real confidence booster when the two met at Balmoral at the weekend. Unfortunately, 
it ended 2-1 for the visitors. Your thoughts on that one, Dave? Yeah, and it, it looked as though when Lake McIntosh equalised late on, you thought, that's Cove's fighting spirit coming out again. But, you know, again, they unfortunately lost another goal almost immediately. And uh, as we said last week, Morton are one of the form teams in the Championship. So I don't think anything has materialistically changed. It's still a case of fighting home and away. They've got a break, obviously, from league business this weekend. It was unfortunate, but Morton... You know, should not be, and I'm sure they weren't being underestimated. They're a very good side, and I don't think anything's changed in terms of Cove's objectives for the rest of the season. Absolutely. Cove's next match, uh, Saturday 26, as you say, a break from the league actions. They head into the third round of the Scottish Cup at home to Dunapace. They'll be big favourites to go through from that, I would have thought, Dave. It would be a, a huge disappointment, uh, although the, staying in the Championship is the number one priority. A cup run you know, brings with it uh, potential financial windfalls, etc. And uh, they'll certainly go into the game against the juniors or the ex-junior side as firm favourites. And I would expect them to win quite comfortably. Peter Head next. And as we recorded the show last week, we discovered not only were they bottom of the league, but their boss, their longest serving manager in senior Scottish football at the time, Jim McAnally, had packed it in clearly at a loss to do anything more. So, as the process to find his replacement continues, the club went into this weekend's fixture under caretaker stewardship. And just when you thought things couldn't get any worse, let me tell you the opposition for that one were league leaders, Dunfermline Athletic. Just a touch daunting then, but Peter Head have previous for rising to the occasion already this campaign. In fact, they got a draw at Dunfermline, so could they pull off a shock win at Balmoor? In a word, no. Uh, the final score, 2-0 to Dunfermline, perhaps more alarmingly, Clyde, the team nearest them in the table, secured a draw with Falkirk. So the gap between the two widened by another point. And OK, that's only two points now, but Jim Duffy's only been there for a couple of games and his first two results have been draws. You get the feeling maybe the tide's starting to turn a little there, which is ominous for Peter Head, isn't it, Andrew? I didn't really expect to, to see... Dunfermline travel back down the roads with nothing to show for their efforts. They're a very good side. They keep a lot of clean sheets. I think it was a blip, the, the game against Peterhead at East End Park. Remember, they were 2-0 up going into the last five minutes of the game and were pulled back to 2-2. So that being relatively fresh in their memory, they made sure that when they went 2-0 up this time, they didn't give Peterhead a chance to get back into it. And like you say, Clyde getting draws in their last two games, albeit they've lost late goals from winning positions to end up with these two draws. Mm. And that's maybe something that Jim Duffy will be a little bit concerned about. Maybe his side has lost the ability to actually win games. They're doing well enough to get draws, but it's being able to, when you're ahead going into the final stages of a game, being able to manage it and make sure that you get over the line with all three points, because I'm sure these two games, they'll have almost felt like defeats for, for Clyde. Uh, because they were ahead and then lost that winning position. But if the if the gap starts to grow any wider, then you really do fear for Peterhead. No word as yet about a successor to Jim McAnally. Roger Morrison obviously taking his time because he knows it's an important decision. But I don't think they can leave it too much longer. They're not in league action this weekend because it's the third round of the Scottish Cup. But they do have to get somebody in pretty quickly because December, January, they're pivotal months in the season because you get a lot of games in pretty quick succession. And if Clyde start to extend that lead between themselves and Peterhead, it makes the task going into the final part of the season so much more difficult. And 
from a mental point of view as much as anything else, that's something that Peter Head cannot afford to have happen. Interestingly, David Robertson was a spectator at Valmour at the weekend. Huh? Yeah, I'm saying, Rangers I, I, I hope Roger, Roger Morrison hasn't forgotten how to appoint a manager. I mean, it's been 12 years since he's done an interview process. <laughs> yes, indeed. But um, <laughs> that would be an interesting one, David Robertson. Maybe he feels that he's, he's had his time out in India. Yeah. And... It wouldn't be the worst club in the world for him to get back into in Scotland because I'm sure that people have looked at the relative successes that he's had out there, but will be going, Indian football, is it as good as, say, Scottish Championship, League One, whatever? Um, but, but it'd be an opportunity to, to go in there and see if he could turn it around. Then all of a sudden his stock goes sky high. Any kind of experience is experience. He's maybe gone abroad to get that and is is now looking for that move back in. You, you, you never know. It was a free hit either way, this game for uh, for Peter Head, Andrew. Nobody expected them to win, so they have to take any and all positives from it and start making headway in that league somehow, don't they? And I suppose it's a bit of another free hit next weekend in the Cup versus Queen's Park. It is. Again, nobody will expect Peter Head to progress any further in the competition, but... They can forget about their league woes at the moment. And who knows, there may be guys in the stand who are potential managers watching them. So the players have got to go out and sell themselves and show what they're capable of. Queen's Park have been a little bit up and down this season, but they're, they're a decent side. Owen Coyle, who David Robertson, for example, will know because he was out in India as well, is moving them forward. Maybe not at the pace that investors in the club would like just yet, but they're up in the championship. They're spending a lot of money at Lesser Hamden, getting that prepared, ready for when they can move in there. I believe they were doing up their dressing rooms and a deputation from the club was was sent to go and check out the dressing rooms up and down the country and say, right, we want to aspire to have the best dressing room in the UK. So they've virtually replicated Tottenham's dressing room at Tottenham's new stadium. I mean, if you've seen it in that um, Amazon Prime documentary, I mean, it's state-of-the-art. There's no getting away from it. Mm. Queen's Park. I mean, (laughs) you don't expect (laughs) Lesser Hamden to have dressing rooms of the the quality that they're they're using right at the very top of the tree down south. But that's that's the, the, the limit that they're setting themselves. They want to be the very best. And for a team that was strictly amateur not too long ago, it's it's a very laudable um, ambition to have. It's maybe one that is going to take a few years to achieve, but good on them. Uh, but uh, as far as the, the game at Balmour is concerned, as you say, it's a free hit for, for Peter Head. I'd love to see them go through, but I'm not expecting an awful lot. I just I, I suddenly had a you know a sort of premonition of you know ten years from now, the big three uh, make a move to get into the English league: Rangers, Celtic, and Queens Park. <laughs> you never know; it could be coming. Um, as you say, that game uh, against Queens Park at Balmoor as well. Now to the Highland League teams, and we have to consider they dodged a few bullets getting this far into November, unhindered by the extremities of the weather. But the rain had to say this week and probably put a few parks underwater, uh, if not the connecting roads outside them. In the end, six of nine matches got the goal ahead and they finished like this. Banks at E3, Inverurie Locos 4, Fraserburgh 1, Bucky Thistle 0. Heath versus Wick Academy was postponed. Lossiemouth 2, Devonvale 3, Rothis v Nairn County was postponed as was Tariff United versus Broader Rangers. Brecon City 2, Forest Mechanics 1, 
Clach 2, Huntley 0, and Strathspeth is still nil for Martin United 2. Not much change at the top, but the chasing pack becoming slightly larger and more compact, breaking on 40 points. Bucky Jags in 37, Brora at 34, Fraserburgh at 33 for Martin United 32, although we are starting to see disparities in the number of games played, which maybe gives a, a slightly artificial reading. In the juniors, Dave? As you would expect, conditions were the winners at the weekend. Only seven games going ahead, and they... I don't know if either of you saw the pictures of Ian Mayer Park at Dice, which did, was yes. completely <laughs> submerged. Now, they're due to have a game this Friday evening against Bridget on Thistle, but I can see it been months before that. Well, I may be wrong, but, uh, you know, it's obviously it's what damage the water has done to the mm. to the surface. But uh, the games that did go ahead, Hermes stay top. They defeated Bankery 1-0, Jack Craig the scorer. Cooter did their goal difference, no harm at all. 8-0 against Colony Park at Cromby Park. Greg Dorrit, the Colony Park captain, sent off and it was 1-0 in the first half. Seven goals in the second half for Cooter and, well, special mention to Cammy Fraser. He got four of them. Montrose Rose lead two, near St. nil in the championship. Aberdeen Uni, nil. Glentanner, two. Cruden Bay, one. New Elgin, one. Frisbury United, one. Longside, one. And Newmacher United, two. Burkhead, Thistle, nil. But the the rest of the cards all falling foul of the weather, understandably. And golf, Andrew, a decent showing for the men and women of the Northeast. It was the, the season-ending tournaments in the both the LPGA and the European Tour. Richie Ramsey ended up 19th in the European rankings, David Law 49th, so... Nice to see two Aberdonians in the top 50. Uh, in the ladies, Gemma Driver, who's had a stellar end to the season, she finished tied seventh in their season-ending big tournament. I think it's the CMEG Bowl. So she's moved from 323 in the world rankings up to 91, which right. is a big thing. If yeah. you're in the top hundreds, obviously you're getting invitations to lots of stuff. And as a, as a, a tour event winner, she will be exempt from this, that, and the next thing, and will be guaranteed invites here, there, and everywhere. And I've got to mention your cousin, Lynn Grant. She shot up from 277th in the world rankings. And that's her worst placing this year. She's now 27th. Yeah. 250 places up. That's incredible. <laughs> that uh, is very, very impressive. And her ambition is to be a further 26 up, I think. Yes, I'm sure, I'm sure she will be looking for that. It's it's nice to see Aberdonian golfers, Gemma, David and, and Richie, doing so yeah, well. Absolutely. And of course, don't forget the grand old man of, of Northeast golf. You'll oh, yeah. hate me for calling him that. But <laughs> Paul Laurie's had a very good season in the senior tour as well. And that is pretty much it for episode 58 of Pitaudry PS. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can. Always looking back to the Don's previous fixtures, when there is one, and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well. We'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Pitaudry PS. We'll see you next time.